Hey guys, today on So What Else, we have Christine Kreischer. She is a new friend of mine. We met through a mutual friend and we just hit it off right away. She is just the sweetest. I loved talking to her. I know you're going to love our conversation. She shares her incredible story of just transformation in her life, absolute transformation. So definitely stick around and listen. Christine is a podcaster, author, speaker, coach. She is the CEO of Irresistible Teams. She's the former executive director of ministries at a large multi-site church in Pennsylvania. She's so smart. She has so much to offer. I know that you're absolutely going to love her story. So stay tuned. Christine, thanks so much for coming on So What Else. Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this, really looking forward to our conversation today. Me too. You know, what's so funny is that I don't actually know you, but I feel like I know you. (laughs) We've talked once before and then like on a Zoom and we've Mm -hmm. voxered or voxed. I don't know what the verb would be. (laughs) I tried to say that yesterday. I was like, (laughs) I've been voxing with Caitlin. Voxing. Wait, is it voxering or voxing? (laughs) Right. I don't know. Voxering, voxing, whatever. (laughs) And I feel like I know you and I've listened to Mm -hmm. your podcast. And so I feel like I know you. So today, like, honestly, for me on days when I'm doing an interview and if it's someone I've never spoken to before, I have some nerves. But today Scott was like leaving and he was like, are you good for your interview? You're nervous. Do you want to talk through anything? And I was like, oh no, it's like, fine. It's like, I feel like I'm interviewing a friend. And I was like, that's so funny though, because I haven't even actually met her, but Mm -hmm. I just feel like you're so easy to talk to. Thank you. And I feel the same way about you as well. And we have mutual friends in Rich Birch. So we do. We must be awesome. And so it's funny because I didn't think I would have nerves, but the, for the last hour, I feel I'm like, oh, because I haven't, I haven't really shared my story in a long time. Yeah. It, you know, like pieces of it, of course, mm-hmm. all of the time. Um, totally. But yeah, so this is a very vulnerable, vulnerable yeah. conversation we're going to have today, but I'm, I'm here for this. I totally understand that. I have an interview tomorrow morning. I'm sharing my story with another podcast and mm-hmm. I have total nerves about that, which seems silly, right? Because it's right. like, Caitlin, you talk all the time on your own podcast every single week. Like, what would you be nervous about? And it just yeah. feels like, I don't know. Yeah. A little naked. I don't know. It, it does. It really, really does. Yeah. For sure. But yes, Rich Birch introduced us. This is, I think, maybe the third or fourth week in a row that I've mentioned him. So I sound like a fangirl, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Rich has just really had my back recently and just like come through. So yeah. I also box, voxer, voxering, whatever the heck with Rich. <laughs> And I'll, I'll like shoot him a Voxer, Vox, whatever. If I have a question about podcasting and Mm -hmm. one time I had asked him something and then he shot back with, Hey, uh, a friend of mine, Christine just started a podcast. Like, would you be willing to talk to her? Within minutes, he had us connected via text. The next day we were chatting on zoom and here we are. Yeah. And you were so helpful because we started this stinking podcast. We have no idea what we're doing. So you were so, so helpful and so generous Some people like to keep their secrets to themselves, right? And I just love that about you. Okay. So one time, I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to, but one time I was on this podcast panel thing Mm -hmm. and I thought like, oh my gosh, this will be so great. Like it was like a bunch of podcasters and we got to interview Jess Connolly. And I wrote down, like, as I'm on the call, I wrote down the name of every other person because I thought like these would be great people like to connect with because they obviously have similar podcasts to mine. Yeah. One, there was like one girl on there who I thought seemed like, I don't know, like nice, like approachable, whatever. I sent her like 
a message and I was like, you know, your podcast has been around a lot longer than mine. Like, I'd love to pick your brain, like get some tips. Like you've had some really awesome guests. Crickets. What? Never answered me. I was like, rude. (laughs) So sad for her. She missed out on being your friend. So I was like, dang. But that does make (laughs) me laugh when you said that I helped you guys so much because literally there were so many questions like people, she's being kind to me. She'd be like, so what do you do about this? And I'd be like, Mm, I don't know. Or what do you do about this? And I was like, I don't do that. I don't really know. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Like literally, like we're very basic. We're very basic around here. Like we are much more basic than you. (laughs) (laughs) But like, honestly, that is something that's cool about podcasting, right? Like you don't really have to have skills per se. Anyone can really do it. You know? It's true. And what I love, I think for me, what I've loved is some of the feedback that we've gotten from people saying, I feel like I'm just eavesdropping in on your conversation. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's it. Cause I don't want it necessarily. Not that it won't ever morph into something more polished and more sure. whatever, but for now, like it is just Selena and I having some really authentic, vulnerable conversations saying the things that most people maybe won't talk about out loud. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And just helping people to just take steps forward. Cause we're on a journey too. And so it's mm-hmm. cool to like have other people journeying with us. Totally. I love that. Like sometimes I've noticed now I'll touch base with a friend I haven't talked to in a while and I'll say something and they're like, oh no, I know. Like I I heard you say on the podcast, I feel like I've already talked to you. Like you don't need to fill me in on your life. I know what's going on. Yeah. Today I said to you, I said something about like, I can't put my earbuds in and you said, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Cause you have, you have an ear infection. And I was like, (laughs) How do you know that? I didn't tell you that. Well, you listened to the podcast that just dropped this morning. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I know, like, I've been talking about my laser hair removal journey. And now I literally have people, like, asking me, like, so how are your armpits? Like, what's going on with the, <laughs> with the hair on your armpits? And my husband's like, this might be, like, an example of a time when you, like, would want to filter yourself. Nah. I'm like, eh, I don't have a Why? Why? Yeah, exactly. Who cares? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So you mentioned that you just started a podcast. Tell us. So you're like, what, a month in? Five weeks? Today we dropped our fifth episode. Yeah. So five weeks. Tell us. Yes. And it's been something that we've been talking about for a couple of years, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we just decided to shut up and do it. And we hit record with no intention on making it live or, Mm -hmm. and it just like morphed into this, like, you know what? That was a pretty good conversation. We feel like it would help people. And so let's just do it. Who cares that it doesn't have an intro and fancy music and like yeah. all the things. Um, it's called Live Your Freaking Life. Love it. And I know to some people, the word freaking is like, <gasps> you know, but Uh-oh. come on. It's meant it's, to just We're all good here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the, um, <laughs> I had somebody actually say that to me the, the other day though. They said, do you think maybe that's going to like limit the audience or alienate some people? And I was like, well, they're not my people then. No kidding. No, it's it's true. There's that podcast, Confessions of a Crappy Christian. And like she, I think, got some pushback for using the word crappy, but she was Mm -hmm. just like, well, like that's how I talk. You know what I mean? So like they're probably not going to like me anyway. Like if I edit the title so as not to turn people off, once they listen, they'll get turned off because like I say the word crap. Like, do you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, just be your, like, just let people know from the jump like who you are, you know? And then if they want to join in, great. If not, fine. And what you just said right there is the essence of our whole podcast. Yes. Live your freaking life, right? Like 
lean into who God created you to be, figure that out, discover mm-hmm. who you are, and then live that out loud, right? Mm-hmm. Like, live, don't be a play it safer. Don't try to mm-hmm. conform and put yourself in a box. And it's because Selena and I both experienced that over the mm-hmm. years of like trying to fit in this perfect Christian wife, perfect Christian woman, perfect Christian mother box. And oh, God yeah. didn't create that box. Mm-hmm. that he didn't design it. And so we need to bust out of it and live our freaking lives. And so that's, that's the heart of, of the podcast. I love it right now. We're diving into the Enneagram and um, just, and for some people like that's like, you know, I thought everybody knows about the Enneagram, but know. it's not true. No, I know. And so it's a great, we just uh, wrapped up our, it's going to be two parts intro on the Enneagram. So refresher for people who are familiar with it, but then also, yeah. um, you know, an intro for people who are clueless and it's neat to hear, like we're getting a lot of texts and messages from people saying, okay, got the book, took the test, ready to start this journey. And we're like, yes. Okay. Let's so do fun. This. And your yeah. co-host Selena, she's an Enneagram coach certified, right? Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. That's so cool. So, we talked yeah. about the Enneagram a lot on here too. I just think it's like such an awesome conversation starter. Great, like, cool. But you're right. I think that sometimes like when you know about the Enneagram, you assume everybody does. And then sometimes yeah. you'll be like talking about it and people are like, I don't know what that is. And you're like, yeah. oh my gosh. And especially I think to. in the Northeast, because when I travel, yes. like when I was in California in October and when I go to Nashville and Atlanta, like everybody knows about the Enneagram. But for some reason, it just feels like it's just maybe catching on here in the I Northeast. I agree with that. And I totally agree with fun. that. I had someone from... Um, a local university, one of the directors at a local university reached out to me and she was like, Hey, will you do a workshop for our team? And none of us like know about this. Yeah. Um, This is, you know, we're just starting this journey too. And so I was like, yes, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that later, but that's one of my favorite things is to work with teams. Yeah. 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 I love that. Be their best too. So yeah. I love that. So yes, I got to listen to your episode today. So that's why I know about your sty, your ear infection. And then I heard all about the, so like you're, you're on the struggle bus today. So I agree. I, I thank you for coming on this podcast, even though you are like, oh my gosh, I've suffering. been like, someone just chopped my head off, Yikes. like just chopped my head off, but it could be a lot worse. And so whatever moving forward, it's fine. It's really fine. My eye is actually a lot better today and the medicine is okay. working for my ear. So I actually feel I feel pretty normal today. I mean, as normal as I can be. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. (laughs) So I know we've been talking already for like a while, but why don't you introduce yourself to people? So we obviously now know that you are a podcast host. What else is there about you? Who are you? So it's funny because this question reminds me of a couple of years ago, I went out to dinner with a missionary incredible. And she is like badass missionary from yeah. India. And she's like in her seventies and just amazing. And so she, we sit down for dinner. It's just her and I, and she looks across the table and she goes, so who is Christine Kreischer? Oh gosh. I would have been like sweating. I was like, yeah. ah. <laughs> Whoa, way to go right there. But it's funny because a lot of times when people say like, introduce yourself, we go right sure. to like, this is what I do. And this is what, yep. you know. And, um, and so I really, I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, for me, I am, and this sounds so cliche and kind of corny, but I am a little corny. And so, oh, well. Embrace it. Um, But I, at my very, very core, I love Jesus and I love people Mm. so much, (laughs) so, so much. Sometimes maybe even to a fault, but, 
And I, and my life mission is helping people discover and lean into how God uniquely wired them and how to live that out. Right. And so that's why the podcast is so in line with, with my values and and my mission and the loving people part honestly starts with my family. Um, my husband and I've been married for 28, almost 28 years. Wow. Yeah. And you know, some people say I've been married to my best friend for 28 years and it's just been whatever. No, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I've been married to my husband who is my best friend for 28 years, but it has been a lot of work. It's been hard. We've had a lot of struggles, ups and downs. Um, there's been a lot of craziness along the journey, but, um, just so thankful, so thankful for that. Um, and then we have three kiddos. Um, we have our oldest. So when I say kiddos, they're grown men. Oh, makes me feel so old. Um, but my oldest is 32 years old. Oh, yeah. And he and his wife have, uh, four kids. They have three girls and we just had, they just had their first son, uh, just two weeks ago. And so I get to be their Bella. Um, cause I'm not, that's cute. <laughs> Bella. I think that's adorable. Did you come I- up with that? No, actually a friend of mine who's Italian, uh, when my son was in labor with his, well, he wasn't actually in labor, right? but with his, with his <laughs> <know>. first <laughs> autumn, um, he said to me, oh, we were going out to dinner for my birthday. She was born the day before me. And he said, so you're not a grandma. He's like, what, are, what is, what is Autumn going to, what is the baby going to call you? And I was like, oh yeah, I, I'm not a grandma. I totally agree. And he goes, Bella. You should be Bella. I and it's stuck. It's stuck. So I love, yeah, I love it. I think that's so cute. I love that. Thanks. Thanks. I so that's that. Jason, my oldest. And then our second son is Jordan and he is 23 years old, living his best life in Vancouver, British Columbia. Oh yeah. Went there for film school, stayed for business school. And now he's in the coffee world, roasting coffee, oh, wow. doing all the fun things. Yes. Yes. Um, he's got a girlfriend, Karina from Brazil, and they are, they are just amazing. And oh. then my youngest son, Jimmy is 22 years old. And his oh, passion- so you had those two back to back. Yes. 15 months apart. Oh, God bless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. Um, yeah. And so he is the manager of our cafe. Um, and his, his passion is music. He loves producing music. And so that's something. So he works at our cafe too and manages our cafe to pay the bills. It's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. So you're also a cafe owner. Yes. So 28 years ago, I started a cafe called the Bagel Bar Cafe in Kutztown, Pennsylvania. Okay. It's a college town. Um, I started the business on a dare and no. it has been, yeah, so, so, so great. Don't dare me. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So yeah. So it's been um, part of our family for 28 years, supported our family for 28 years and been a light in the community. And I love, 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 love that. that. I love that. That's a good dream. That really, that's a dreamy little thing to like own a cafe. Well, it's dreamy until you do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It's like, to me, I'm just picturing like friends, like, you know what I mean? Like when they're sitting around at at the cafe and I'm like, oh, that's so nice. It's dreamy for the people who get to partake. But if I'm being honest, like the last two years with COVID and, you know, um, and I can like, this is not just us. I know this, right. To be true of all small business owners, it has yeah. been the hardest two years of our lives. I mean, it really, I mean, for everyone, right. But small business owners in particular, just being understaffed prices going through the roof, like totally it's been, um, it's been quite a journey and really been a, you know, wow. How do we still, how, how can we thrive? Honestly, I follow someone on, on Instagram who owns a coffee shop in Texas. And she mm-hmm. was like, we can't even get cups right now. No. Like, yeah. So she's like, you like just to 
put it out there to people. Like if you're annoyed that like a, like prices are going up or like your local coffee shop is out of a lot of stuff or like what, like we can't even get cups. So it's like, we have coffee and nothing to give it to you in. Like we're literally standing outside at like Walmarts when they open to try and like snag like the last like thing cups that they sell. Like it's wild. Yeah. And then the prices, like I would say on average prices have gone up 40% from paper products to food costs, all of the things. Plus we have to pay people so much more. Of course. Competitive. And so it's a miracle for small business owners that still have their doors open. Kudos to you. Like, because it, it has been near impossible, honestly, like so, so hard. And I could go on and on and on about that, but that is just like, man, if you're a small business owner, all my love to you. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Struggle is real for uh, sure. But, so are you yeah. like a coffee addict? Um, I'm not a coffee addict. It's funny. I have about one cup a day. Okay, that's which, me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So and I and I don't have it first thing in the morning because I don't want to oh. be dependent upon that. Yeah, that's weird. That's smart. <laughs> no, that's a smart thing though. That makes it's sense. Kind of my mid-morning reward for like, okay, now it's time to enjoy and savor a cup of coffee. I like that. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll start doing that. I like that little tactic. <laughs> Like maybe reward myself for getting a few things done and then yeah. like have a cup of coffee. I like that. Exactly. That's good. Yeah. So it's and before that, so it's it's funny because when you said like, oh, that's like the dreamy thing, right? Like mm-hmm. to own a cafe. I've had so many people say that to me over the years. Like, right. oh, you own a cafe. Oh, that's so Love nice. Cafe. I've always had a dream to own a cafe. And I'm like, yeah, don't do it. It's the same as people saying, I would love to work at the church, right? Yeah. Oh. Right. You know it. That is so true. I was on staff. Um, well, I was I was a high-level leader for about eight years um in the local church, large multi-site church here Mm -hmm. in Reading, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And then for 15 years was um, well, a whole bunch of different things, but the last bunch of years I was the executive pastor of ministries. Mm -hmm. And so I would get that all the time from people, right? I would be sure I would love to work at the church. Yes, yes, yes. You're like, ha, that's so cute that you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you said that, you reminded me, reminded me of that. I stepped out of that role almost a year ago, so end of May in 2021 to launch my own coaching and consulting um, practice uh, called Irresistible Teams. And then I also work with Slingshot Group and I help them do searches and coaching as well. And so fun time. That's amazing. And you're an author. Yes. I wrote a book um, based on one of my greatest passions, which is volunteerism, because my volunteer experience radically, radically changed my life. Um, Yes. Just, you know, from a discipleship standpoint and Mm -hmm. then just discovering who I am and then developing leaders and helping them discover who they are and just living that out. So, so fun. But yeah, in 2015, a friend of mine um, who I met through Orange, I was doing some speaking Mm -hmm. and coaching with Orange in Atlanta, Georgia. And so a friend of mine reached out to me and said, hey, let's write a book. He had done a ton of research on a thesis, his thesis Mm -hmm. for his PhD on volunteer retention and so we just combined our stories and our years of ministry experience and, and wrote the book, The Volunteer Project, Stop Recruiting, Start Retaining. And so that was a lot of um, a lot of the reason I left the, the local church was because I was, I've over the years gotten a lot of opportunities to speak and coach and consult. And yeah. I was having to say no too much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you know, I think it's time for me to step out in faith. Mm-hmm 
big step of faith. Totally, totally. <laughs> um, and to just do something where I can serve the big C church. And yeah. so that's been, that's been great. And work with and small businesses as well, right? So the four strategies that we talk about in our book that are create irresistible teams also, you know, impact businesses um, as well as uh, churches. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. I mean, you, I'm like in awe of you. Oh, like sorry. what have you not done? Like <laughs> cafe, work at a church, written a book, speaker, coach, consultant. Like that's amazing. Well, I, I just, I love, like I said, I love people. I love, I love serving. So it's, it's an honor it really is. So I know that you have had just like a really boring cush life from, yes. from birth until now. <laughs> Yes. It's so funny because I, so many times people have said to me, especially like when you're a pastor, right? People put you on a pedestal. Totally. So stupid. Um, but so many times people would say to me, well, you just, you know, you just don't understand because you're a pastor. And I'd be like, <laughs> you're like, LOL. Yes. Yeah. No, I do. I do understand. Yeah. So no crazy dysfunctional childhood mm-hmm. for sure. Um, it's interesting because I think a lot of times we skip when we talk about our, who we are and, mm-hmm. you know, where we, how we ended up where we are today mm-hmm. kind of a thing. We skip something that is so, so important. And that's our family of origin. Yes. Right. Like I've done a lot. I've been in therapy a lot mm-hmm. over the years since childhood um, and had, and really discovered that so much of uh, things that have formed and shaped me started before I was even born. Right. So yeah. on both sides, my, you know, my father's side, my mother's side, alcoholism runs rampant, um, abuse, mm. verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Mm. Um, my grandfather on my father's side was a, um, very, very broken man and a very violent drunk. Mm. And he beat my father and he beat my aunt and my, go- and my, uh, grandmother and, uh, just was so, so, so verbally abusive and that I could go on and on, but sad story there. When I was eight years old, he was actually murdered. He was, yeah, he was stabbed to death in Philadelphia where he lived, um, 76 times. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so sad. And so that shaped my father, right? Sure. Of course. Who he was as a dad. And thankfully he purposed, he got help right after he came back from Vietnam and decided to go to therapy and get some help. And really that just kind of changed the way he parented us. Wasn't yeah. a perfect dad, made a lot of mistakes and he would say that. Right. But, um, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and then on my mother's side, my mom, when mm-hmm. she was 10 years old was raped. Oh, and gosh. this was in 1962. Wow. Yeah. And so it was very much like, we don't talk about this. It happens. Yeah. So, in, and in her mind, she interpreted that it is, this was my fault. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. 10 years old, right? 10 years old. 10 years oh old. God. And it really, that trauma that then was swept under the rug and never, ever talked about. As a matter of fact, we, her and my, her best friends and I got together for lunch a couple of weeks ago and they Mm. and us talked about things. My mom has never talked to anybody about. She's never. Yeah. Yeah. So, so crazy. So my mom got pregnant with me when she was 17, was forced to marry my dad. Mm. When I was seven months old, they were divorced. Mm -hmm. I was separated and and then divorced. And that just like started this whole crazy cycle. She married my stepfather. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I was like four years old. 
And he was also a very broken man, mm-hmm. like attracts like, right? And so of course, yeah. very, very broken, very toxic. I was literally the redheaded stepchild, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like I was the, every day of my life, it, probably multiple times I would hear him say to me, you're a stupid, ugly redhead. You'll never do anything <sighs> right. And so that informed Right. Like yes. who, I, who I was, who Absolutely. I you know, grew up to be. Um, and so we moved from Philadelphia. I was born right outside of Philadelphia in Delaware County. And we moved to Florida for cur- oh. you know, career opportunities yeah. for my okay. stepfather. Oh. He was a drug smuggler for organized crime. <laughs> my goodness. Yes. And so and, you know, so now my mom is. And your mom knew this. It wasn't um, like. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. She went and it was kind of like, there's a lot to it, but it was, Hey, sure. we're going to, we're going to move to Florida because we can have a good life there. And okay. yeah, it might be sketchy what we're doing, but we can have a good life there. And so, yeah. And my mom was, when I say my mom knew, so my mom had started self-medicating when she was very young, oh. right? Like yeah. just alcohol, drugs. And he was also like, they were both drug addicts and alcoholic alcoholics and extremely toxic. Mm. very, very, very toxic for one another, very violent, um, environment in my home. Um, and I have two younger sisters. Um, one is six years younger than me. And then the other one is 12 years younger than me. Okay. And when my mom was pregnant with my youngest sister, my stepfather was arrested and went to prison and we moved back to Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Ooh, it's, it, it was, it was quite the, quite the journey because then that was, that was like culture shock, right? We went yeah. from having yachts and, you know, okay. fancy so, cars and jewelry and all of the things. We went from riches to rags, literally. Wow. Okay. So when you guys were in Florida, you were living yeah, large. Yeah. Yeah. I, yes, very much so. Um, it's funny because my kids and, and my husband, they're like, you make, you're making that up. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> But it was, it was crazy. We moved a lot and there were times where in the middle of the night I would get like woken up by my mom and she would be like, okay, grab two toys and we are running, we're going, we have to go. Um, and it was because the police were coming or whoever, right. They were, they were coming and and we had to move to the next house. Um, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why it's very natural for me and easy for me to make friends. Mm-hmm. Because you I moved to. so much and went to so many different schools that it was just like, yeah, you, that's what you do to survive. So, wow. So yeah. when he went to jail and you guys left, like, how did your mom support you guys? Yeah. My mom didn't even have, she didn't finish high school because she got pregnant with me when she was 17. Right. So she didn't have a high school diploma. Um, and, and it was also at that time when my stepfather got arrested that my uncle came, went to my mom and said, Kathy, you have a drinking problem. You are an alcoholic. You need help. And, and he was like, he was the one that actually got them involved with organized crime. And he had gotten sober and changed his life. Yeah. Dramatically. And so she, at first she was like, shut up and, you know, flipped out on the house. And then she was like, no, I think I do need help. And so she started going to AA meetings. So now we moved to Pennsylvania um, in with my grandmother, uh, who was an amazing, amazing human being. Moved in with her. And then we moved to Southwest Philadelphia in a little row home. And I just, I remember, I remember standing in line 
at a church and we didn't go to church. Um, mm-hmm. But I grew up, I went to Catholic school all of my life, but we didn't go. Like mm-hmm. we weren't practicing sure. Catholics, right? But I remember going to a church, standing in a line for a block of cheese and for a jar of peanut butter. And, you know, my mom having one pair of jeans after having like the best, like sure. designer clothes and like all of the things um, and just a crappy car. And um, it was crazy. And at that time, so I'm 12 years old at that point, raising my two sisters, Yeah, literally. Like I was Ugh. just a mini mom because now my mom is going to school every night. She's working every day, going to school at night to get her GED and going to AA meetings. And so I'm mom now of these two little human beings. And Mm. yeah, it was, it was, it was hard. And I, I learned a lot for sure about how to take care of myself. And was there still like contact with your stepfather? Like, was your mom talking to him when he was in jail or no? I don't know. I think initially maybe there was some, but once my mom got sober, she was like, yeah, I'm no good for you and you're no good for me. We should just like call it quits. Okay. That's when my dad entered my biological father really came back into my life because we were so far apart. He was here in in Pennsylvania and I was in Florida. And so it was, you know, I would visit him two weeks out of the, you know, or a week out Mm -hmm. of the year, something like that, but we weren't close. But then that's when, when I was a teenager, we started to become very, very, very close. And he was Mm -hmm. like huge encourager in my life. So opposite, right? So all those years I had stupid, ugly redhead, you'll never do anything right. And then I have my dad saying, you can do anything you set your mind to. You are amazing. You're beautiful. You're right. Like you're going to change the world. And so it provided a balance, but still we can talk about that later, but didn't erase that, that voice for sure. Of course. Yeah. When I was, when I was 18, first year in college, I got pregnant with my okay. oldest son and, um, he was about nine months old when my stepfather got out of prison and oh. my stepfather asked my mom if he could come for a visit. He wanted to meet with, um, me and my mom and my two younger sisters. Stephanie was probably seven. And then Carrie was probably 12 or 13. Okay. Um, and so I was scared out of my mind because I was, he was, he was a very violent person. And, uh, in addition to being verbally abusive. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, "Ah." but now I'm 19. So it was kind of like, what are you going to do to me now? Right. Right? Like I'm a big girl. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was also very angry Mm -hmm. and had a lot of rage. I'm sure it was, it was bad. Like I remember for, while he was in prison, especially like when I was 17, 16, 17, 18 years old, thinking if I see him in person, like I might just kill him. Right. Yeah. Because the pain was so, so deep. And I started self-medicating when I was 11, I started getting Mm. high 12, started getting high drinking. I was a, I was a hot mess for several years. Um, and, uh, just was repeating the same stuff, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what we do until we figure out that it that doesn't have to be the case. So this was one of the most, uh, this was a turning point in my life. I'm 19. I go to my mom's, my stepfather shows up and I'm sitting there with my baby in my lap. I, I can still see it today. Ugh. He's sitting in my lap and my stepfather, he looks at me and he goes, I just don't understand. Like, what's your problem? He's like, you had a good life. You had all of the things I provided for you. Like, why are you so mad at me? What, what is happening? (sighs) And I looked at him and I said, I had like all of the things we had money, but no love. Mm -hmm. Like 
you never said a kind word to me ever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm thinking of actually an example in my mind right now on a Christmas morning. I, this is a, like the perfect picture. Christmas morning. I woke up when I was, I was probably 10 years old and I come out of my bedroom and there is a living room full of presents. Mm-hmm. I mean, the floor was full, right? There's just presents everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now I'm opening these presents and it was everything I wanted and more. And I get up and my mom, I go over, I said, thank you. So excited. And my mom looks at me and she goes, give Steve a hug and tell him, thank you. Tell him that you love him. And I was like, ah, very vulnerable. Like mm-hmm. I get rejected kind of a thing. And I turned to him and I put out my arms and I start to say the things. And he looks at me and he goes, ah, get out of here, kid. Oh. And so I, so I shared that. So I was like, do you remember? Mm-hmm. And he got quiet for a minute and he got like a little teary eyed and he goes, it was all I knew. Mm. And I remember in that moment, all of my hatred and rage, it's, it was like a switch just went off and my hatred and rage turned to pity. Yeah. 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 About the years of watching him interact with his own parents and seeing the coldness Mm -hmm. and the criticism and like all of those things. And I was like, Oh, literally it was all he knew. And I remember in that moment, looking down at my son, Jason, and in my head saying, I will never use that excuse on you. Yeah. I will do, it was like in that moment, I made the decision that I don't know how I'm going to like make this right. I don't know how I'm going to be a good mom. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do any of this stuff. Cause I had really very, I don't think I had any role models in my life at that time. Like all the relationships were toxic. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I just remember that, that commitment of, I'm going to figure this out. Whatever yeah. it takes, I'm going to figure out how to love you. I'm going to figure out how to raise you different. Um, and so that started the, a very hard journey. <laughs> I'm sure. Wow. Sure. Ugh, I mean, I just think that that's though, there's so much in there to yeah. unpack, right? Because first and foremost, you had every right to be angry, to mm. be self-medicating, to all of those things. Because from such a young age, like what a hard, what a hard life to grow up with, you know? But the fact that once you knew that that was all he knew, mm-hmm. it humanized him yeah. to you, right? He was and a monster. Like, yes. He yeah. turned from a monster to a broken, broken man. Yeah. And I'm 19. And so like, Literally, mm-hmm. I know nothing at that point. I didn't know Jesus. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, I just saw a side of him that I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And I, and it really, I think, opened my eyes to everybody has a story. Yes. Hurting people hurt people, right? Before I had those words, mm-hmm. that to me was that like revelation. And then it made me say, okay, I want to do the hard work now. I don't want to hurt people. Cause I yes. know I'm broken and I know I'm hurting, mm-hmm. but what do I have to do to not pass that on to not just my kids, but the people around me? Totally. So, it takes someone to break the cycle, right? Because yes. you, it doesn't, the fact that you learned about his past and it humanized him to you and it gave you pity and took away your rage. That's a beautiful, amazing thing. It doesn't make it okay. Obviously mm-hmm. what no. he did to you, but you could have just become another version of him where then in yes. your life, you could have just repeated those same behaviors and said like, this is all I know, which yeah. would have been accurate. Cause that is all that you did know, mm-hmm. but it takes someone like you mm-hmm. to break the cycle. 
you know, to, to decide, okay, yes, the only thing that was ever modeled to me was completely dysfunctional, but I'm going to break the cycle and not continue those behaviors. Yeah. And I think that's interesting when you say that break the cycle. I, that's, I think I love my mom and dad so much because they both did that same thing. Yeah. Right. So when I say I didn't have role models, I didn't have role models in like healthy relationships and healthy parenting. Sure. What I did have is role models of overcomers, right? People who said, okay, just because I was raised this way doesn't mean I have to raise my kids this way. And for my mom, like it was, I was 12 years old when she decided to make a change, but Mm -hmm. that change impacted everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The sad story there is for so many years, once my mom stopped self-medicating, she um, dealt with so many mental health uh, issues over yeah. the years. And so in my teenage years and then young adult years, struggled in and out of mental, mental hospitals, uh, mm. suicidal and just, um, bipolar and, but, and she, she uses her story to impact other people's lives and to help mm. other people. She's been today is actually, as we're recording this, this is her 37th year being sober. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so, um, just, just incredible, um, examples of those, you know, things. Yeah. And, and I think that's where I kind of got that. It was like, okay, I can break the cycle too. I don't have to, I don't have to be a statistic. Yeah. I don't have to keep repeating these patterns. I can, I can figure out, um, another way. And all right. So continue, take us down the journey. So Ugh. you had that experience with him at 19, you resolved to not continue those behaviors. So yeah. take us through it. So when I was 21, um, so my, my oldest son is from my first marriage. I was mm-hmm. actually not married when I had him. I was 18. When I had him, we got married a couple of years later and within a year we were separated and divorced. Okay. Um, that's a whole long story, but that, that was a very, very toxic relationship that began when I was 15 years old. Wow. Um, yeah. And so we were together for seven years. Um, but again, just very, very, very yeah. toxic. And so, um, so we separated and, um, and that was hard because now I'm a single mom, mm-hmm. right. And, and living on my own and trying to, to get my stuff together, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. I didn't yeah. finish college because I got pregnant when I was in college and set to go back. And then I ended up going into real estate and, um, it's interesting, you know, God, God has a perfect plan <laughs> and mm-hmm. it doesn't always look the way that we we think it's going to look, but I ended up using the, that real estate knowledge and the experience in property management to when I met my new husband and we'd been married for a number of years, we started flipping houses and buying rental properties and I was That's able awesome. to use all of that. Right. And so, yeah. um, just love how God, you know, he weaves all of the, the pieces, broken pieces together. Yeah. Um, so I met my husband, um, not too long after that. And we were, I was remarried in a year and a half and we had both been married before and mm-hmm. both had, um, some dysfunctional childhood stuff that we were bringing into this new marriage. And mm-hmm. so, ah, it's one lot. of those things where I always tell people like become the right person before you look for the right person. Mm, that's because good. You save yourself, yourself from so much heartache yeah. and your children too, right? Like that, because then that carried over into, mm-hmm. you know, like how we, how we functioned as a family. Yeah. So now he's a stepfather and, and, you know, to my son and, 
And, and that was really, really hard because we mm-hmm. weren't on the same page and we weren't whole, we were two broken people. And so we did, we had to do a lot of the work, um, while we were together and, and we have over the years and, um, we got married in 1994 and then about two years later we had, we had Jordan. And then 15 months later we had Jimmy and it's a whirlwind. Yeah, it is. It really is a, a whirlwind. And I told you, you know, started the cafe um, on a dare when my, when Jason was uh, going to school, kindergarten, full day kindergarten. And wow. Like, okay. I'll try this. Why not? Good for but you. All along I had been, well, let's say in 1992, I went to a non-denominational church service. Somebody okay. invited me to my, my, she was my boss at the time, Michelle. Okay. Um, and she was a follower of Jesus all of her life. And, uh, she was just like, Hey, come to this service with me. And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. No, but I was so broken. It's when yeah. we, I was separated from my first husband and I just felt like I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, how I was going to function, how I was going to pay the bills, like all those things. I was so, so broken. And she said, come on, what do you got to lose? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And I heard this guy up on the stage talk about this Jesus. And, and that was a curse word in my home growing up, you know? Totally. And, um, and I just remember him talking about his love for me and that no matter what I've done, no matter how far I've run, he loves me. And I was like, me, even me. Yeah. And so I went running. He did an invitation, like, come up to this, all, you know, if you want to give your life to Jesus kind of thing, fresh start, new, you know, forgive, find forgiveness and his grace. And I, and I just remember like, like snot dripping down my face <sighs> and, you know, tears. Just, yeah. And running forward and saying, okay, yeah, that's, that's the Jesus. That's the Jesus I want. I want a relationship. I don't want religion. I did not want religion. I had seen that too much and uh, the brokenness of that. And so, yeah. And so a couple of years later, I found this awesome church and um, that had a great kids ministry. Mm. And that's why I went. Cause I was like, okay, this church has good kids ministry you know, Jason needs a, a place to find a real authentic fl- faith. Cause I can't give it to him. So I had total drop off mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm going to drop my kid, my kid off and totally care of that part of his, his life. But what started to happen is I started to learn and grow and lean into how God uniquely wired me. And I started to discover some things about myself and someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, you want to serve in kids ministry? And I was like, no, not really. Yeah. Because at that point now I had two babies at home too. And I was, oh, like, oh uh, no. I would rather do anything other yes. than help in the kids ministry. Do you want me to scrub the toilets? I'll do yes. that. Let's just stick pins in my eyes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I said, yes. You know, she just said to me, you know, you, she's like, you're great with kids and you're fun and kids like you. And so just do this thing. And so I, what started off as like a duty and obligation thing became something that I was like, Oh my gosh, I can be for a child who I never had growing up. Oh, yeah. And that net talk about living with purpose and passion and feeling like this is my calling. And so then I ended up years later coming on staff part-time and then full-time. And then I was the family ministries director. And and I and I loved it because I was able to help other people heal and grow and find mm-hmm. God's grace and redemption and all of those things. And so um, it was just, it's just this beautiful story of how God takes our mess and turns it into, can turn it into, if we allow him a beautiful message that mm-hmm. other people can look to and say, oh, there is hope for me. 
there's hope for my kids. There's hope for my family. You know, there's hope. I just think for me, it was like by making the changes I made personally mm-hmm. and then helping others do the same, that impacts generations. And there's yeah. nothing more significant that we can do with our lives than that. And so that's why, you know, when I was asked, you want to write a book about volunteerism? I was like, um, yes, because yeah, my I, life. I think that's so beautiful that I think that's so beautiful because I think so many times it's very easy for us to think like, okay, I'll volunteer because I should, you know, it's the right thing to do X, Y, Z, blah, blah. But I think that it's really cool that for you, someone asking you to volunteer changed your life. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's really, really beautiful. And, uh, Another thing is that I just feel like I've interviewed so many people on this podcast that have been through crazy trauma, dysfunction, whatever, and their life is completely different today than it was prior to whatever happening to them. And yeah. their their daily purpose, like their life is now dedicated to helping other people and they're using what they learned through their own trauma, through their own pain. It's almost like you can't when you have received, I mean, for me, it's like, this is a simple analogy, right? But, um, I'm a foodie and I'm a coffee snob. And so when I find a great restaurant or I find a great, um, coffee shop, I'm telling the world, like every person that comes to the, I'm like, oh my gosh, have you right? Like it'll change your life. And so that's such a small thing. That's food and coffee. Mm-hmm. My life has been transformed, right? Like just on so, and we didn't even like, there's so many other things, but like my life has been radically changed mm-hmm. because I, I finally comprehend it. And I shouldn't say finally comprehend it because I'm still comprehending, trying sure. to comprehend yes. the incredible extravagant love of God mm-hmm. for me, right? Like in my mess, just as I am, like all of those things. And so when you've experienced that, how do you keep it to yourself? I, I just can't. And it's what makes me love people so much and what makes me love. And same for you, I'm sure, right? Where you mm-hmm. love learning people's stories because you get to see how people's mm-hmm. story connects to God's story, right? Yeah. And when we get to help people connect their story to God's story to lead to a greater story, which I'm totally ripping off Sam Collier right now. Hey, my friends, I can do it. Love that. (laughs) Love that. Right. Like that is that, I don't know, like that is, that's something to wake up, (laughs) you know, for in the morning. And, um, that's what makes me come alive. Absolutely. So from your friend inviting you to church one Sunday, that Mm -hmm. changed your whole life. Yeah, it did because, and you know, it's funny at the end, um, I was like, okay, so now what you got to do is go find a Bible believing church and get baptized and you need to start reading the Bible. And I was like, okay, whatever. That was so overwhelming. Sure. Um, Totally. But I think it was what changed my life was finding the community in, on my volunteer team, right. The people that I was serving with. Yeah. Um, And just finding people. And over the years, this has looked very, very different. And even today looks very different. Just finding people that. I can wrestle with God's word um, or wrestle with about God's word mm-hmm. um, who allow me to 
wrestle with hard questions, ask hard questions, not check my brain at the door, you yes. know, kind of a thing. And um, that has that has transformed my life as well, especially in the last few years of just finding a community of people that it's like, hey, okay, what else have I been wrong about? Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And just being on this journey of open-handed learning and going deeper and going like mind blown. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm I'm thankful for that. Now that community is small, <laughs> right? Because yeah. there's not a lot of people willing willing to do that mm-hmm. um, uh, in a safe way. That yeah. So I continue to just I just want to be closer, right? I just want to learn learn more. I want to yeah. be closer, and uh, and yeah, like I said, help other people on on that same journey because I know like there's so many times we're, we're all doubt is a part of our faith, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not the absent doubt is not the, um, our faith is not the absence of doubt. Um, but yeah, I don't need, I don't know where I was going with that, but no, I, I agree with you so much to circle back. How do you feel like, cause you know, it, in a perfect world, it would be like, you had this upbringing that was hard. You had that moment when you were 19, when you, you know, had that understanding of your stepfather, you declared that you were not going to continue that with your own son. Then not long after you ended up at church, you had, you know, an experience with Jesus, you know, and then everything was perfect moving forward. Like you were an emotionally healed and whole person. You had no gaps, you know, like, and it was all good. You're so funny. (laughs) (laughs) um, podcaster and comedian. Uh Oh Oh my gosh. I I really have been in therapy so much. And when I haven't been in therapy, I've always had a coach, right? Yeah. And I would say multiple coaches, Mm -hmm. right. To coach me in, in different, because I realize I have so many blind spots. And when you, when you grow up in a dysfunctional environment, if you do not acknowledge that there are things that you do and the impact that you make, um, could not have, (laughs) um, negative effects, like you, you just like get, get from under that rock, right? Like get, get, get your head out of the sand. Um, and so I was keenly aware that there were things from my childhood messages that I received and that were played over and over, you know, the one I said, stupid, ugly redhead, you you can never do anything right. Like that informed so much of everything that I did up Mm -hmm. until today, right? It's just less and less and less. Mm -hmm. Um, but because I remember feeling like I did the work and that whole like, okay, I'm not stupid and I'm not ugly. Like, okay, I've overcome this. This is not an issue in my life anymore. When I read Carlos Whitaker's book, Kill the Spider, mm, I, I literally, know. oh my gosh. It, I listen, that book, he talks about so many times what we do is we... We have things that have happened to us, whether it's trauma or whatever, the way that we were raised, the people that we have been influenced by informs the way we behave, right? So, so many times we look at the way that we behave and we just clean up the cobwebs as opposed to identifying the actual spider. That's the root cause of the problem, right? Okay. So what we need to do is go after the spider. We need to kill the spider once and for all. Yeah, And so I'm reading his book and I actually heard him, I think it was on Annie F. Down's podcast. I think, she, no, no, it was Mike Foster. Do you know who okay. Mike Foster is? I think so. <gasps> He's amazing. He's, is yeah. Um, so Mike Foster was interviewing him 
about his book, Kill the Spider. And Mm -hmm. in the interview, Carlos had an aha, like, oh my gosh, I just identified another spider that I didn't, I didn't even know was there. In real time. I love that. And I'm driving down the road. I'm going, I'm actually heading to Orange to speak at uh, an event at the Orange Conference. And I'm in (laughs) driving down the highway, busy, crazy highway. I'm by myself. And I am sobbing oh. because I realized that that message, I had not killed the spider. I was cleaning up the cobwebs. I was saying things like, okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm not stupid. And I was doing the right things, but why was it that every time in a meeting and I'm an executive leader at a large church, mm-hmm. right? Seat at the table, use totally. your voice, Christine, but I was making myself small. Hmm. why was I, I would say to myself, like, why didn't you share that idea? Or why didn't you share that thought? Or why didn't you, you know, say like, no, I don't agree with that. And I did that a lot. Let me, let me say that. But there were times that I didn't. And I would say, yeah. why? And it was because when I looked, you know, it took time to really sit and reflect. It was because the message I was hearing was that's stupid. Yeah. You're going to say that and you're going to look dumb and they're yeah. all going to know that you're dumb. It's that imposter syndrome thing that we talked about in our, in the podcast a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, right? Like, and so I made myself small and that was a disservice yeah. to the people around me and the people I was supposed to represent. And so that was like a huge, okay, I still have work to do. So let's get back into therapy. Let's talk about this. Um, I'll give you another example. When I wrote the book, I will never forget. And this sounds really stupid. And people laugh when I, when I tell the story, but this was a serious thing for me, wrote the book, got an invitation to come go to the salt conference, the creative arts conference in Nashville to speak about the four strategies in my book. Right. And Luke McElroy sends me an email and he says, by the way, after your workshop, I'm going to have you come out to the table and sign books. And I read those words and I was like, like a celebrity, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. No, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that, but how, I don't want to dishonor him or be disrespectful. That's the way they do things. What am I going to do? I literally had to go back to counseling. And I was like, what is my problem? And it was because growing up as a little girl, my grandmother, who I said, I love with all my heart. She was wonderful, but she had horrible inferiority complex to the mm-hmm. point. She couldn't look in the mirror to put lipstick on. She never looked in the mirror. Right. Cause she thought she was, she was so ugly. She was beautiful. Okay. Anyway, so so that informed the way that she grandparented me, right? And of so course. whenever, when I was a little girl and as a teenager, I would get compliments. People would say, you know, I have red curly hair. And so I did all my life. And so people would come over and they'd be like, oh my your gosh, hair. your hair is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. And say all of those things. She would pull me aside and she would say, now, Chrissy, don't get a big head. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Right? When somebody would say, oh, you did a great job, or she would pull me aside and she would say, now, Chrissy, don't get a big head. So now my grandmother's gone for so many years. I'm still telling myself that message. Whenever somebody says like, oh, great job. Whenever I would preach or speak or do whatever, someone would say, great job. I would get small. And you would try and cut yourself down. Yeah. Yeah. And I would deflect and I'd be like, oh, praise God, give him the glory. You know, like that kind of thing that- Totally. That's like- that we just yeah. say, yeah, that God gave you the gifts. Like, don't apologize for it. Thank them. Say thank you. You yeah. know, um, but I, I couldn't do it. And so when I got in therapy and I was like, what is happening? And my therapist helped me to see the root of that was that my grandmother said that to me for all of those years. And so what mm-hmm. did I need to do now? I needed to create a new neural pathway in my brain from, I don't have a big head. I have a big heart. 
Mm. And I want to help people. That's why I wrote this book. Yeah. Go stand there and talk to the people who appreciate the value that you've brought and the help that you've given and the practical things and, and just like be a friend to people. It's really okay. Yeah. It's, you know, and so, um, but there, we all have those things that are so deeply rooted inside of us that like, okay, dig it out, kill that thing and live a fuller life and stop Mm -hmm. apologizing for who you are and how God created you. That's so good. That is so, so, so good. Yeah. Let me tell you something that talk about radically transforming my life. A couple of years ago, um, I, I, I went to a women's speakers, uh, collective boot camp. went to one in Toronto, Canada. And then mm-hmm. I went to another one. Um, Reggie Joyner was so kind to say, Hey, we want to pay for you. You're one of our speakers. We want to pay for you to come to this boot camp." And Danielle Strickland, who is one of yes. like, she has deeply impacted my life spiritually, leadership wise, all of the things. Um, so this is her boot camp, right? Mm-hmm. She's leading this. And one of the first things that she does is she talks about humility and she defines humility because for oh, me, you remember me talking about I heard you say this in your podcast and I loved it. Yes, go, go, go. Oh my gosh. I, Cause I remember thinking humility is making yourself small. It's apologizing yes. for who you are. It's like, you know, like, oh yeah, no, it's not about me. It's all about God, right? Yep. Like, and it mm-hmm. is, of course. Of course it, it is. is, yes. But so she got up there and she said, humility is agreeing with God about who he says you are. Mm. It's not making yourself small. Yeah. It's agreeing. It's finding your voice. It's leaning into how he has created you and how he has uniquely wired you, right? To show up in this world, to make a difference in this world. And if you make yourself small in the spirit of humility, that isn't even the right definition, you're robbing the world. And you're not. And it's almost like you are, it's insulting God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's like, you gave me this stuff, but I'm not really going to use it to its fullest potential. I'm just going to like, back off here and like yeah. not, not show up the way that you created me to show up. Yeah. I did that for years. I was like, why again, trying to fit in that perfect little Christian box. Like I, I had to be quiet. I had to be submissive. I had to mm-hmm. be all of these things. And I had to unlearn so much of that because I struggled for years going, God, I know, I know you created me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but did you make a mistake? Yeah. Did you make a mistake with me? Because like I'm a leader and like, I, I just, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I have ideas and I'm not afraid to, to say them. And I'm, I'm an advocate and all of these things, but, but I feel like I'm supposed to make myself small. And then I had to ask myself where, where's that message coming from? Mm-hmm. That's not from God. Yeah. Humility is agreeing with God about who he says you are. And so that was like, oh, okay. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. And then do the work and figure out who does he say you are? right? How has he wired you? And uh, it's a journey, but it is so, so worth it because then you start feeling comfortable in your own skin and you stop feeling like comparing yourself to everyone else. And, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's so freeing. Yeah, totally. I just think that's so, it's so cool. You, I love your story because it's like, you are such a testament to you came, you had all the cards stacked against you. You really Mm -hmm. did, you know, and you were able to identify that and be honest about that and realize like, okay, like I'm going to do things different. Like 
with my own kids and I'm going to lean into this and I'm going to lean into who God made me to be and what he wired me to do. And I mean, when you were 19 that day, sitting on the couch, talking to your stepfather with your nine month old baby on your lap, would you ever imagine that you would be someone who was on the executive lead team at a huge church, writing a book, speaking at major conferences, you know, like you would never imagine that. No, I wouldn't. And I, and that's that part of like, cause even when I've received those opportunities and those invitations, I would be like, I'd look behind me. Like, you mean, do they mean guy? me? Yeah. Right. Like, no, not, not me. Right. Like why me? Mm-hmm. And and then I just remember feeling like God saying to me, just step out, just take the step. I'll show up, you know, mm-hmm. like, can, and can you remember that like the core purpose of everything, all the opportunities that I'm giving you is to help other people, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Is to love people. Well, love them the way that I love them and, and give, bring hope. And, um, and so, those those opportunities and those things have been hard and really, really scary. Like, I mean, I would tell people all the time, they'd be like, oh, you know, when you speak, you get up there in front of thousands of people and it's just like, it just comes. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea how sick I am. Like literally like, oh my gosh, I don't want to tell you the details. It's like, I just get really, really sick. I I shake like all of the things. And then I step out there and I just feel like God just goes, okay, now- and I don't even remember what I said because it yeah. was not even me. Right. And so, right. um, but at the, the, the core of it is just like, how, how can I, how can I love people really, really well mm-hmm. and, um, and show up in this world to be able to not add more brokenness, but maybe be a part of the, the yeah. healing. And I screw up. I'm, you know, like, Oh dear God. Um, but man, it's worth the journey. It's worth the hard work. It's worth the, it's worth the fight because people, people matter and yeah. people need to know <laughs> love and they need to know grace and they need to know, they need to have hope, especially now more than ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. So where can people find you? If they are like, yo, I'm inspired by this woman. Remind <laughs> us like the name of your book, where can we get it? What if someone wants to be coached by you? Like, can they do that? Like, where can we find you? Yeah. I love that. So I have a website. It's not the best, honestly. Like I just don't have time to. to oh, <laughs> to make please. It. I get it. At Trust some me. Point, yes. Point, your website's great. I don't know why you say that, uh, um, but it's christinekreischer.com. Okay. We'll put it in the um, notes. Okay. And then, um, for information about coaching or to coaching for, uh, businesses and for nonprofits and churches, um, that's irresistible teams. Try to spell irresistible. That's fun. (laughs) Google will help you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, on Instagram, which I am, I try to be active, but you know, it's, it's C Kreischer. C Kreischer. You're perfect on Instagram. Oh yeah. Thanks. (laughs) I go, I go like dark for long periods of time. And then I'm like back with the, I do that too. (laughs) Me too. I have days where it's like, I have so much to say to the world. Like I can't Mm -hmm. possibly get it all out. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I got nothing. I'm tapped for the next couple days. Oh good. I'll see you. It's feast or famine. It really is. Yes. 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 It's the same thing with my productivity. Like today Mm. I've gotten so much done. It's only two 30 in the afternoon. I've gotten so much done. I'm so deeply proud of myself. 100% tomorrow. I'm going to be like a sloth. Like I will not accomplish one thing. Like it's just how it is with me. That's good. You know, right? Exactly. You're I, aware. It, totally. Self-compassion. That's how you care for yourself. Right. And then exactly. Wednesday you'll be at it again. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we'll see. 
Christine, thank you so much. Oh, before I let you go, what's your favorite snack right now? Right now. So two days ago, I made uh, gluten-free Irish soda bread. And I, oh my goodness, eating that up. I need to get it out of my house because I'm going to eat the whole thing. (laughs) I love that. You're Irish. You must be. I am a little bit Irish. Yes. Beautiful hair. Yes. (laughs) I actually have a tiny bit of Irish in me. I'm pretty much Italian. Like we like are like, we're Italian, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes I'm like, you know, we do actually have some Irish and English and a few other things in us that we never <laughs> tend to mention to anybody. Right, right. <laughs> because you know how Italians are. They're yes. just like, we're Italian. Like, how many, like, are you off the boat, Italian? Like, are, you know, it's like, it's like a competition of who's more Italian, which is <laughs> really dumb, but what are you going to do? <laughs> We just, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, sharing your story, all your wisdom. I've just loved talking to you. This has been so fun. I've loved it too. Thank you so much. You are awesome. Thank you. You are too. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) We'll talk soon. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions. Parable Productions.